Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. We've looked at this before, but I want to come at it at a different angle. Mark chapter 4. Let's begin in verse 14. We've been studying prospering and difficult economic times. And this will be along those lines, but there's also a lot more to this. I thank God that we live in a time in which we have the written Word of God. You know, many generations and centuries and millenniums went by in which the written Word of God uh, to the common person like us, that's what we are as common people, amen. The Bible says that the common people receive Jesus gladly. But to the common people, uh, there was no access to the Word of God. You know, in Israel, uh, uh, we looked over in Exodus at a, the portion of Scripture in Exodus 25. If you can continue to study through uh, 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 Exodus, uh, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, which is uh, along with Genesis, the first five books of the Bible, uh, which we call the Pentateuch or the Law, uh, you will see that, that uh, uh, all of that that was given was basically written by Moses. And that became, that was their Bible. That was Israel's Bible. But the common Israelite had no access to it. It was holy word, holy scripture. Uh, they said that when they would copy uh, scripture that, that, that uh, uh, Moses was given by God, that when the priesthood would copy it, that when they would come to the, to the name God, Elohim God, that the priest would stop and go wash ceremonially and clean themselves and come back before they even wrote the word God. That's how much they respected that word. That's how much they reverenced the word God. So that was limited to them. We know that Paul carried some parchments with him, uh, things that he was writing down. We know that his letters uh, became uh, a part of what we call the canon of Scripture, which is the Bible. But supernaturally, and if you ever study uh, the history of the King James Bible, you will understand that God did something supernatural in putting it together. Uh, there was a supernatural element to what happened uh, that produced all of the different Scripture coming together, uh, the choice of the different books and writings, because there were many choices. I know that there are other, uh, quote, Christian uh, denominations and religions that adhere to other writings. But as far as I'm concerned, the King James Bible, now I'm not against translations. I love the Amplified. I love the Living Bible. I love all the different Bibles. But as far as I'm concerned, the King James Bible was something sovereign that God did in order to get the Word of God into the hands of modern man. And if you look at the history of the world in general, from the time that the King James Bible was produced until now, you see a tremendous increase of all kinds of knowledge. Engineering knowledge, medical knowledge, uh, 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 informational, you, you name the, the, and I know there's some bad knowledge that also has been, you know, uh, uh, knowledge of how to kill one another, but... All in all, the knowledge and wisdom of God, once the common person was able to get a copy of God's Word into his hands, knowledge exploded around the world. And if you study the inventions that have benefited mankind, the majority of the inventions that have, been, that have benefited mankind have been invented by people who were Christians. 
People who are believers. Now, if you don't believe that, go to a nation on the planet that does not believe in the God we believe in. Have you ever been to one? I have. I've been to a few of them. And I want you to know, nations that do not believe in the God of this Bible are dark. They're dark nations. They're nations without. Many times their governments are very uh, uh, unstable. Uh, uh, the, the luxuries that we enjoy that we think are just common to us because we are uh, live in America like driving a car, living in a home with a roof over your head that doesn't leak, wearing nice clothes, going to sending our kids to school, having a grocery store to go to to buy, to buy groceries, things like that that we just take for granted. There are nations out there that that would be, that would be such an extreme luxury to them that they, they, they would think they were in heaven if they had something like that around there. You say, well, what's the difference? God. God, the God, the God of the Bible, the God of the Word, amen? Now, the, the, the Word of God was spoken to in the beginning so that it might be written. And then it was written that it might be spoken. The Word of God is supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. It is designed in such a way, and when you understand its ability in the life of a human being that will believe it, it is designed in such a way to empower the human being to live a supernatural life in a natural world. It is literally the ability of God to benefit the man or the woman that will believe Him according to His Word. Amen. We know that the written word in the Greek is called the Logos. The word that is real or alive unto you is rhema. Everybody say rhema. That is the living word. And the purpose of the Holy Ghost in our lives is to take the written word and to reveal the living word, Jesus, on the inside of us. See, that's why it's important to come and hear the word taught or preached. You say, why is that? Because while you're sitting there listening to the logos of the word of God being taught or preached, the Holy Ghost can come and quicken it in your spirit and make it rhema on the inside of you. Now it becomes a word that's living on the inside. It could be a word of salvation. That's how you got saved. It could be a word of healing. That's how you got healed. It could be a word of prosperity, a word of deliverance, no matter what it may be. It is the word of God, and once he puts it inside a believer's heart, then it can become what God desires it to be, and that is what releases the power of it. Isn't that good news? So, now notice verse 14. Mark chapter 4, Gospel of Mark chapter 4, verse 14. The sower soweth the word. Now, the sower is you and me. We are sowers of the Word. Now, I've, I've said this many times, and I, and I don't want to say it jokingly. Uh, I want to say it very seriously for you to understand the reality of it. Words are the most powerful, powerful things we possess as human beings on the planet. Words are very powerful. Your life, your life, is the sum total of what you have believed in your heart and spoken with your mouth. That is not, as we've said many times before, a Christian concept that is a human concept. That's how man cre- that's how God created man in his likeness and image. We are beings that believe in our heart, confess with our mouths and create. Believe in our hearts, confess with our mouths and create. Have you ever walked into a room I know I've done it before. You walk into a room and you knew, uh, you know, maybe there's uh, some friends of yours or something, a man or a woman, a boyfriend or girlfriend, whatever, and they were having a big argument. You didn't know it, but you walked into the room and you could feel it in the air. You thought, hmm, words hanging or lingering in the air. See, our language and our words are carriers. They're seeds. That's why you've got to be careful. When the enemy attacks your mind with thoughts, 
what he is doing his best to do is to get you to sow words, speak words. Because he knows if he can get you to sow or speak the wrong thing, he can bring the wrong thing into your life. But God knows if you can sow or speak the right thing, then he can bring the right thing into your life. So the sower soweth the word. Now this word is the word logos. The sower soweth the logos of God. So we're those that need to hear and listen, sow the word ourselves, be speaking the word of God over ourselves every day, speak the word over your own life, speak the word over your physical body, speak the word over your finances, speak the word over your disposition, your peace, your joy, speak the word over your standing with God, your righteousness. People say sometimes, I've had people challenge, well, Pastor, why do you always talk about just declaring your righteousness? I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Because if you do not, you'll develop a sense of unworthiness. Your mistakes and your failures will cause you to develop a sense of unworthiness. I have seen it in people. I have seen it in Christians that have made mistakes. And God has forgiven them. And God stood by to restore them. But they would not be restored because of their own guilt and condemnation. No, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ on my best day and on my worst day. And when I make a mistake, I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ. And it's not by works of righteousness which I perform, but it's according to His mercy and His grace that He saved me. So I've learned to lean on the mercy and the grace of God and understand that that's the way He made me, not the way I made myself. So my life over the past 30 years is a result of what I've believed in my heart Confess with my mouth. Lee and I were married uh, coming up on 28 years ago this uh, August. And our lives together as a couple are a sum total of what we have believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth. I've dealt with some situations here in the last few weeks and few months with some friends of mine. Several of them I made this statement to. What you're going through right now is just the fruit of what you were speaking and doing two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. And if you do not do the right thing now in this situation that you're in, you will be dealing with something even worse two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, five years from now. Do not allow your future to repeat what has happened in your past. If you're going through problems right now in your body, in your marriage, in your finances, change your words. Change your sowing. Quit sowing words of destruction. Quit sowing words that destroy. Quit uh, uh, sowing words that separate. Are you with me? Quit sowing words that intimidate. Quit sowing words that depress. Quit sowing words that hurt. And pick up the Word of God and start sowing words of restoration. Start sowing words of peace. Start sowing words of prosperity. Start sowing words of joy. And two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, you'll say, thank God I took some time to sow the Word of God so that I might receive and enjoy the way I'm living today. Because we're continually in the creation process. It says in Isaiah, I'll create the fruit of your lips. So, the sower soweth the word. Now he begins to categorize. Everybody say categorize. He says, now these are they by the wayside, where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. Now people come all the time to Island Church. They come, you know, we come here and gather on Wednesday nights, Tuesday nights, Sunday nights, Sunday morning twice. And there are people that will come and they'll hear the word and they'll listen and they'll get up and they'll just walk out and they'll never give it another thought. 
And what happens is the enemy immediately steals it where? Out of their mind? No, out of their heart. He reaches into the heart of the man or the heart of the woman and steals the very thing that will change their lives. That's why you got to pay close attention to what you're being taught. But thank God we live in a time in which we can get uh, 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 CDs and we can get on the internet and we can re-listen to messages over and over and over and get them down into our spirit and hear some. Uh, somebody was mentioned. Oh, it was uh, it was Brother Ted. We were talking about a a, a tape. Actually, it's probably it's a cassette tape. I don't know if he's got a CD of it. I got a cassette tape of a message he and I both enjoy of a particular minister. And I've listened to that tape over and over, and Ted has done, has done the same thing also. And we both made the comment to one another, even though we've listened to it over and over and over again over the past probably three decades, still when we put it on and listen to it, we hear something different, something new, something fresh. Amen. You say, why? Because it's the spoken word, but when you listen to it because of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and because Satan was unable to steal it out of our hearts as we listen to it again, God says, well, they heard that part, heard that part. Well, I'll give them a little more. I'll give them a little more. I'll give them a little more. I'll give them a little more insight. I'll give them a little more uh, uh, idea to what I'm saying in that message. Are you with me? Don't let the devil steal the word. Let me say it again. Don't let the devil steal the word. The word is your most valuable. Come on, here it is right here. Here it is. Here is the cure for cancer. Uh, here is the cure for AIDS. Here is, the, here is the healing of a hurt marriage. Here are billions and trillions of dollars. Uh, come on, you, you got you to you understand what I'm saying. Here is peace in nations. Come on, church. Here, here, is, here is joy greater than drugs or alcohol that can produce. Here is pleasure beyond anything man can produce for himself. Right here. Here it is right here. Here it is right here. How valuable is this word? It's value, it should be the most valuable thing that you own is the word of God. So don't let Satan steal the word. Guard it. Guard your heart. Guard your spirit, man. When something sparks or, or you know when it touches your spirit and God touches you with a word maybe it's of healing or of restoration or of prosperity whatever it may be you guard that you write it down you get your Bible you mark it in your Bible you write it in your journal you speak that word you get it in your heart in your mouth in your heart in your mouth and you value the word that God gives you amen the word must become personal I mean we're always big on quote what brother so and so said and we make the word personal to the preacher. Or Brother Hagin said, or Brother Robert said, or Billy Graham says, or this one says, or that one says. Well, listen, it really don't make any difference what they say. What makes a difference in your life is what you say. Because you can quote every preacher on the planet, and you can quote every good quote that every preacher's ever made, but it doesn't do you any good until it gets into your heart and comes out of your mouth, and what they said becomes what you say. Mm -mm -mm. Now let's go to the next one. These are those which are likewise which are sown on stony ground. Well, there is some ground, but it's stony. Who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Now notice this, though. But have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth 
for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Now that was, that, listen, this is what makes Island Church different from all the other churches on this island. Right here. How many people would be here tonight if the word that I preached never offended one of them? How many people would be here? There'd be thousands. Literally, hundreds for sure. Thousands on Sunday morning. Where are they? What did you say? Did you offend them? No. I did not offend them. Religion does its best to formulate the message of its ministers in such a way that it does not offend. There are denominations today that have taken the gender of God out of the Bible. He's neither neither he nor she. It's an it. They've taken the blood out. There are also whole denominations that rarely say the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus is so controversial, they will use the the, the word Lord, they will use the word God, but the name Jesus, they're so afraid it's going to harm or offend. They dare not talk about salvation by grace or through faith. They dare not say anything about the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the speaking in other tongues because that's the craziest thing anybody could ever hear to on this planet. They dare not say anything about divine healing or health, nothing about the power of God because we all know God has no power. Come on, church. They make sure that there's no, quote, offendable element to the word they preach. But honey, if you get up and preach the word the way that it's written, the way that God intends for it to be preached, there will come a time when you either have to get the stones out of your life and get your ground fertile, or you will get offended and you will find you someplace else that will not offend you with the word. Amen? I mean, we might as well just tell it like it is. Listen, the Bible says immediately they receive it with gladness. Oh man, did you hear what he said? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Then all of a sudden, two things. Time factor. Here comes the time factor. Well, I thought I was going to receive that this week. I tithed and I thought I was going to get a hundredfold by Friday. Amen. No. The time factor ruins them. And then affliction or persecution. Let's say it like this. The enemy comes after the word. When you give, when God deals with you about giving an offering and you give it and the next day they cut the hours at your job. God deals with you about giving, about tithing. So you start tithing and next thing you know you get one of them brown letters from the IRS wanting to audit you and you're like, what in the world's going on here? That's the affliction and persecution. That's like when you go out, I declare I'm healed in Jesus' name. I felt, and you get up the next morning and you feel pain in your body. Affliction. Persecution arises. Why? Why? Because of the word. For the word's sake. The enemy or the adversary is coming after the word in your life. He wants you to quit believing it. He wants to cause you to unbelieve what God has caused you to believe. So that you will become an unbeliever. He wants you into unbelief because if you're in unbelief you cannot be in rest 
But if you believe, you can enter into rest and peace. But if you enter into unbelief, you stay in turmoil. Let me just say this. And we'll say it to everybody that ever left any church because they got offended at the word that was preached. Let me just say this. Because you're offended did not make your situation any better. Your offense did not heal you. Your offense did not help your finances out. Your offense did not heal your marriage. Your offense did not do anything but exacerbate the problem and make it worse. You might as well just go ahead and stand on the Word of God and believe it. Mm -mm -mm. How did we get off on this tonight? Have no root in themselves. Grow your own garden. We talk about that all the time. You come and eat out of my garden. You come out and eat out of Pastor Allen's. Come out and eat Brother Mark Brzee's, Brother Sam Carr, whoever's preaching here at the church. You come out and eat out of the garden of the minister that you're listening to. But grow your own garden. Plant. Prepare the soil. Plant. Reap. Amen. Plant. Sow. Water. Weed. Reap. Go through the process over and over and over and over. Learn a lifestyle of sowing and reaping. Be a spiritual farmer. Say, why are you reading that Bible so much? How come you always go around praising the Lord, speaking the Word of God, Tell I'm just a farmer? You're a farmer. What are you growing? I'm growing peace, prosperity, healing, health, joy, righteousness. I'm just, it's just growing in me. It's just growing up on the inside of me. I got a harvest of finances. I got a harvest of health. I got a harvest of blessing. I got a harvest of mercy. I got a harvest of righteousness. I got a harvest of peace on the inside of me. Mm -mm. Then it says these, verse 18, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around much agriculture it is amazing to me how fast weeds grow especially in fertile soil we out where we duck hunt at the the traditional uh, uh, method of rice farming they grow rice you know the, all the, the stuff we eat what, what is the rice we eat the, the mahatma isn't that what it's called? Mahatma. Most of it's grown here in South Texas and over in Louisiana. And so most of that rice is grown. They plant it. It's a certain type of rice that they grow. And, and, and you go by those, those, those fields, especially in, in mid-August into early September, and they're just gold with those big uh, heads of rice. And you notice there's not a weed in the field. That's because they spray herbicides on that field. They keep the weeds out. But now there is a trend over in the area where we hunt at where they're beginning to grow organic rice. Now, if I was to take you to an organic rice field and show it to you, especially if there was a, just a regular normal rice field next, you'd look at that organic rice field and you'd say, "Yeah, it look like there's a bit of rice in that thing." Because every kind you can't, if you grow an organic rice, you can't spray any herbicides on it. And there are all kinds of plants. I've heard the, the the farmers talk about. There are all kinds of plants, and one particular weed will grow and wrap around and literally choke out the rice plant. And they'll walk through there with a, with a, with a, with a hole-looking thing that's got a hook on it and pull those things up. You'll probably get them at your house. They're, they're, they're a little, 
a thin vine and they grow a leaf on them and they'll just wrap around. And they'll wrap around your air conditioner. They wrap around your hose. If you leave your hose laying in the yard for like two or three days, it'll wrap around your hose. You think, where'd that thing come from? That's literally a choking vine. It's what it's called. And it'll get, if you let it, in, if you get it in a garden, it'll get around any fruit producing plant and literally wrap around it like a snake and choke it down to where it cannot produce. So you've got to go into your own life. And you've got to begin to say, now wait a second, I've been sowing the Word, I've been believing God. What is it that's causing it not to produce in my life? If the fertile soil of my life is worthy of planting the Word of God in, then what other kind of seed has blown with the wind of ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, the movie channel, home box office, Hollywood, Michael Jackson, the Beatles. You say, why are you saying that? Because all kinds of negative seed can come through music, can come through entertainment, can come through listening to some program on TV, TV while they're explaining why every person's going to have this cancer or this arthritis or this or that and you're going to be subject to it because you're, you're an African American or you're Hispanic American or you're Caucasian or this or that and you're subject to crime or you're subject to this or you're subject to that and they drop those seeds into your fertile soil and you begin to contemplate, you can begin to think about that. The enemy begins to charge your mind with thoughts. You begin to think about that. Then you begin to talk about that. And the seed starts to be sown out of your mouth into your fertile ground. And next thing, the prosperity you've been sowing for three years is choked because of the special report you listen to by Mr. So-and-so from this news agency that talked about how you're not going to be prosperous in the next three years because of this or that or the other thing. And you're like, oh my goodness, we should have bought this stock. We should have bought this or done that. Yeah, I wish I would have bought a ton of gold when it was $60 an ounce. Don't you? But I didn't. And it's not going to ruin my prosperity. It's not going to choke out the Word. Amen? I guarantee you, if you allow the world system, it will put the seed necessary into your fertile field to choke out whatever it is God's trying to plant in you. That's why you've got to guard what comes in through the information gates, what comes in through your eyes, what comes in through your ears. You've got to be an editor of that. You've got to be very discretionary about what you let on the inside that comes through the information gates of your eyes and ears. I, 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 uh, a friend of mine, I, I've told this story a couple of times. It's a sad story. I hate to hear it. I hate to tell it. A friend of mine is a pastor, but uh, was evangelist for many years. was a pastor now. Actually, he's back on the evangelistic field. And he had a friend. I knew this man. I knew him. Uh, he went to a church my grandmother attended. And this guy, when he got saved, he was a hippie back in the, back in the 60s. He got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And this guy caught fire for God. I mean, he took off just, just winning souls, praying for people, getting healed. I mean, you couldn't shut him down. He went off to Bible school, came back, went and founded a church, teaching faith, preaching faith, preaching healing. Got a hold of a book called Another Gospel, which was a book that was written by a disgruntled professor 
that was mad at Oral Roberts. And what it was doing, it was refuting everything we believed about faith. Talking about how healing's not a reality, salvation's not even reality, all the things that are in the Word of God. It's just a, a, a God is just a creation of the mind of man because man is so afraid of death and the unknown element of death that out of man comes the idea of God. I like something Brother Copeland said. I mean, like Brother Ken Copeland. I like something. He said this one time in a meeting. I thought it was so good. He said, if I found out absolutely, without question, there was no God, I'd still live the same way I'm living. I'd do the same thing. You say, well, ain't no better way to live. Ain't no better way to live. I mean, it works. I said it works. All you got to do is learn to work it. Sow it in good ground. Keep the weeds out. Mm-mm-mm. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as here, and the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. Listen, there's nothing, there's nothing you should lust after more than God. Amen. You know what lust is? Lust is an uncontrolled appetite. And there's people that the, 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 their, their lust keeps them estranged from God. Listen, nothing can supply your need, no matter what your need may be, better than God can. The, 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 the pleasure pushers that push the ideal of pleasure on society, that pleasure is only obtained through the stimulation of the flesh, whether rubbing it together or putting something in it. Amen? Know nothing about the presence of God. Where David wrote, in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. If you ever get in the real presence of Almighty God for just a few seconds, you will find out there isn't anything in this devil's world that can hold a candle to the pleasure of being in the presence of God. You say, well, what do you mean by that? You serve God. You serve God the way the Bible says. You live your life according to the Word. And that's not being religious. Actually, most religious people will call you stupid or crazy if you live according to the Word of God. Did you know that? Most religious people will reject you. You say, how can you say? It's exactly what they did to Jesus. They despised him. They rejected him. They called him crazy. His own family came to him and said, you're beside yourself. You're out of your mind. We've got to take you away. He was just serving the Father. He was just revealing the Father, loving people, healing, blessing people everywhere he went. And religious people rejected him everywhere. Same thing be true of you. But if you will live according to the Word of God, you will find that place in the rock the cleft of the rock, what the Bible talks about, in which you will enter into the presence of Almighty God. You will sense it. You will know it. You will know that you're there. And there is nothing on this planet that can compare to the peace and the joy of being in the presence of God. There ain't a drug. There's not an experience. There's not a view to see, a place to go. There's nothing that compare to the peace that passes understanding. Amen. Now let me close real quick. My time's up. And these are they. Everybody say they. 
is me. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word. Everybody say, hear the word. And receive it. And bring forth fruit. Hear the word. Receive it. Remember this always. Don't ever let your intellect challenge the word. Always let the word challenge your intellect. Remember you are not a mind. I heard a guy preach today, and bless his heart, he's a, he's a Baptist pastor out of, out of Corpus Christi. I, I'd sure like to meet him sometimes because he's about that close to getting filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, he's bouncing all around, and he got to preaching today on the soul of man, and the problem was he had the soul of man and the spirit of man mixed up. I wish I could have called him and talked to him for about two minutes. I could have straightened him out real quick. But he was talking about the soul, the emotions and the mind and the will and how that's the only thing God has to work with is our, is our emotions and our mind and our will and all about the emotions and the mind. And I thought to myself, if he could just read a little more and dig a little deeper, he'll find out that the soul, thank God for it, thank God we possess it, but we're not a soul. We're not made up of mind, emotions, and will. We are a spirit. We are made in the likeness and the image of God. There's nothing more special on the earth than God's kids, God's creation. We are made in His likeness and image, and we are a spirit being, and that spirit being lives forever, forever and ever. Amen? And once you get born again, then that eternal question is settled. You realize if I were to be absent from this body, I'll be present with the Lord. And then you can take the power that God invests in the Spirit by the Word of God and you can fix the soul. You can fix the mind by renewing it. You can fix emotions by the Spirit of God coming and taking control of it. You can fix the will by submitting your will to the will of God. Are you with me? And when you begin to realize that, and you begin to realize that God's way is the way, the best way, that if you will hear the Word, and then instead of questioning it, because that's what we do. We're, we, we tend to be so intellectual. We're so educated. We send our kids off as soon as they're old enough to walk and talk. They, we educate them. We educate the intellect. we got this great big intellect. And everything God says, we question. Everything God says. Jesus comes to Nicodemus and says, you must be born again. He says, say what? Automatically, he responds how? Intellectually. Born again? Born again. Well, let me respond to that, Jesus. Can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus is going, I ain't talking about that. He says, I'm not even talking about that. He was speaking what? Not intellectually. He was speaking spiritually. Here's our problem. Now I'll close with this. Think of a radio. Remember the, most of our radios are now are called uh, uh, digital. You just push the button. But I remember traveling. All those years I traveled, I had my, my, my uh, uh, dial on my radio. And a lot of times I'd be way out in the country hearing some old country preacher preach or something. And I'm trying to you know, trying to keep it right in that right spot right there because you're going up and down, up and down, up and down. So you had to keep it right on that right channel in order to be communicated to. So think of your life in three channels. The flesh channel, the soul channel, and the spirit channel. Now, if you're on the soul channel... And somebody's talking to you spiritually, 
you're not going to get it. You're going to be like Nicodemus going, say what? Born again? Well, I've already been born. You'd be like Mary when the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favored. The Lord is, what was he doing? He's sowing the word. Hail, thou that are highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And the Bible says she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind. She was on the soul channel. What manner of salutation this should be. And so the, the angels did what? He said, fear not, Mary. Why? Because fear is in the soul. So he dealt with what was going on in her soul. Fear not, Mary. Thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, shall bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be the son of the highest, uh, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then Mary said, what? How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? Now, instead of tuning up to the spirit channel, she tuned down to the flesh channel. How shall this be? See, I know not a man. Then the Holy Ghost, who is the greatest technician in the world, who knows how to get you on the right channel, reached into her life and said this, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the Spirit of the High shall overshadow thee also. And also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of the Highest. Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age, for this is the sixth month with hers who is called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So he took her from the flesh channel and the soul channel and hooked her to the spirit channel. And when he hooked her to the spirit channel, she said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the word became flesh. And here, I can hear it right now. I can almost feel clear. How did that happen? You're on the soul channel. That's exactly what the soul does. How did that happen? How did it happen? The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. How? Who cares how? Thank God it did. Amen? That's what the Spirit will say. Who cares how? Thank God it did. So when Jesus said, you must be born again, you must be born again, or you will never understand anything about the kingdom of God. You can't be religious. You can't be born a Christian. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to take Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I'm not doing it on the flesh channel. I'm not doing it on the soul channel. I'm getting up here on the spirit channel. And by faith, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. What does that mean? I had not got a clue. All I know is that now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. All things are new. Well, what does that mean? Hadn't got a clue. But by faith, I understand that the worlds are framed by the Word of God so that the things that are seen were made of things that do not appear. Well, yeah, that doesn't explain any, anything to me. Who cares? All I know is, I know if I were to be absent from the body, I'd be present with the Lord. Can you explain that to me? No, I could care less about it. All I know, it's real and it's mine, and I possess it in Jesus' name. You say, that doesn't make any sense at all. You got it. You finally got it. Because if it made sense, it wouldn't be God. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and thank the Lord. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for Jesus, the King of kings. The Lord of lords. The wonderful, mighty, great word of almighty God. We worship your name tonight, Lord Jesus. We glorify and magnify you this evening. For you are the living God. And we worship you this evening. And we glorify your name. 
we thank you that you impart unto us the word and that the word will bring forth 30 and 60 and a hundredfold return in our lives blessing and prosperity and increase healing health restoration in homes and marriages all that you desire to do Lord we thank you that that belongs to us in Jesus name now don't don't get me wrong there is an instructional, an instructional element to the Word of God that the soul can embrace. If there wasn't, we, we, it'd be impossible because we are still stuck in these earth suits and we still possess souls, which is our mind, our emotions, and our world. So instructed by God, we can understand with our mind and respond with our will and know what to do. You say, what do you mean? in order to be right with God, in order to be saved. It's so simple. People say, well, should I go out and start doing good deeds? Maybe pick up some stray cats or some hitchhikers or buy some donuts and give to homeless people? Well, that's all well and good, but that's not going to get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven? What does the Word say? Not what does Island Church say. Not what does Rusty Martin say. Not what does the televangelist say. Not what does all the other churches with all the other crosses and bells and steeples say. What does the Word say? It says if you'll believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Why? Well, I'll answer the question. For with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto righteousness. So what he's telling you is this. You can understand the instructional part with your soul because in your soul is your will. And if you can cause the knee of your will to bend to the instruction, then you will step up into the spirit realm or you will tune on to the spirit channel and receive that which God has for you. Salvation, the Holy Ghost, healing, prosperity, whatever you need from God. Amen. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just for a second, just for a moment. Let's, most people we know, but we want to make sure. We want to make sure. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm saved or a Christian or if I were to die, I'd go to heaven or hell. I haven't got a clue. But I want to be. I want to know that I, I want to know that my sins are forgiven. I want to know that there's life after death, good life, eternal life. I want to know Jesus, this person that came who's called the Son of God that loved me so much he died for me. I want to know these things. Well, you can know. You can know tonight. You can know tonight. Not in your mind, but you can know it in your heart where it really counts. If you say, Pastor Rusty, I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven if I were to die. But I want to be. I'm not sure that I'm a believer, but I want to be sure. Would you please pray for me, Pastor? If, if that's you, lift your hand. Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Anybody at all? Real quick. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, good. Everybody look this way. That means we're all. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember... But keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.